Born at Sea, raised on radio. We are out of the main, and I am one of your co-hosts, Tom Nixon, so you must be John. Yeah, I'm John. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I have an, a title a title that is the uh, second-rate first mate. Half of that's true. Uh, but uh, today I am... Uh, Born to dance, I guess. I, guess. I don't know. Yes. What do you, what do you know? I think you're yeah. uh, too slow yeah. to disco. Too slow to disco. There's that. Now at this age, I definitely <laughs> yeah. am. I yeah. wasn't talking about your speed of uh, mobility. But anyways, I, I digress. Um, welcome back, everyone, to Out of the Main. And we would like to welcome back to Out of the Main a third-time guest. Um, mm-hmm. So you know him as one of the uh, co-creators of Yacht Rock Miami. We know him as Captain G. And how should we know you, Alex? Welcome back to the podcast. Hey, well, I'm um, I'm Alex Gutierrez, um, DJ Alex Gutierrez down here in Miami, and yeah. uh, Captain G is my Yacht Rock code name. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's great to have you back. Yeah, it's great to be back. Yeah, Yacht Rock Miami was our very first uh, syndicator of Out of the Main, so you hold that honor. Even if you drop us, you'd still hold that honor. So that's good. Don't give him any ideas. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're here because the reason we have Alex on today is because we know he has a long history as a disco DJ, um, and not a DJ that just dabbled in disco back in the day and now you know does weddings and plays the occasional disco song. We're talking a uh, longtime club DJ who has a unique take on uh, the disco itself, because it's heavily influenced maybe by location, and we'll get to all of that. But uh, Alex, we, we thank you for joining us to talk about disco. If you could just give us a quick background, take us back to when you got started and how you got started as a DJ and why disco? What kind of clubs were you doing at the time? Well, back in uh, junior high school in 1976, I walked into a party and I saw some guy in the corner and he was playing records and people were dancing. And I said, what is this? And I stood by the guy all night long because I wasn't really uh, getting any chicks. <laughs> and uh, so I stood by the guy playing records and I said, wow. And uh, he would select the records. Nobody bothered him. He'd select the records and the kids would uh, would love it and start dancing. He'd hear He was hearing something on one headphone and then he'd mm-hmm. kind of blend them together. And, and I said, wow, I want to do that. But... Oh, so he was beat matching back then? He was blending. Okay. Um, beat matching, I think, came later on because this was, this was okay. about 76, 75. So I I left the party. I bugged my 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 parents for equipment, but obviously equipment was kind of cost prohibitive to our family who had just been here from Cuba for, you know, 13 years and it, it wasn't easy. So uh, we gathered some money and uh, I did some yards and bag and stuff like that. And I got two BSR McDonald turntables that were belt driven. And I got a small realistic mixer. Ah, Radio shack. They bought me <laughs> a, um, they bought me a guitar amp, which was a trainer and it was, it was coated in blue sparkly foam. So what I did was I put the mixer and I got quarter inch out into the, to the amp head on the top and, so I started playing, you know, I started playing parties here and there and doing the same thing. And uh, this guy from um, uh, that I saw at the party, he gave me my first record, which was um, The Tramps, That's Where the Happy People Go. It was a 45. And I said, wow.
And I started, you know, kind of buying records back then. Records were 45 cents. And, um, you know, I'd save my money and do little odds and ends here and there and uh, start buying records. And I started playing and little by little, we started doing bigger parties and that type of thing. And then the 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 whole I don't think it was really known as full blown disco because we weren't old, old enough. We were, you know, I was 15 years old and I wasn't old enough to get a disco, even though I had a beard start coming in. And I, I would go into a disco the following year, but but um, now we started uh, doing our thing. And then at 16 years old, my beard kind of grew in, and we started going into the only place that would let us in would be the uh, gay clubs here in in Miami, and uh, the gay DJs were very friendly to us, and uh, they kind of let us um, look, and they kind of let us let let us being me and a partner that I had back then, um, they just kind of taught us about music and we started sneaking into all these clubs gay clubs straight clubs and basically we would stand by the dj booth at night with a pencil and a piece of paper mm. no shazam nothing like that and listen for repetitive phrases that we could write down uh, a big trick that a lot of the club djs did back then because everybody wanted to have that unique sound was they would put black mac maxing uh masking tape on the uh on the label so when you looked in the dj booth you didn't know where they were playing Ah, because everybody yeah. wanted to have their own signature sound, right? Love, so love that. The next day, we'd go to the record store and kind of go, "Hey, do you guys have?" <laughs> rolling his eyes, like, "Get these little kids out of here," you know. But <laughs> we were able to get, you know. Uh, and then the twelve inch came around. I think the yeah. first uh, twelve inch was uh, "Moment of Truth" or no, ten percent by uh, by uh, "Moment of Truth," I believe it was, and um, then. We started buying 12 inches. Were these records that were getting actual release where you could buy them in stores or were they like white labels and you had to buy them out of like the trunk of a car or something? I knew a couple of guys that would get uh, the promo copies, the white labels yeah, that okay. they would get mailed to their house, but they were yeah. they were actual club guys and they were in back then uh, local record pools that would service the DJs and later on. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. did that as well. And then uh, little by little, we started going and then I went into the Navy and I, started, I kept doing that in California and Maryland. And these places everywhere I'd go, I'd go, you know, kind of get a club. And um, my thing was always uh, reverting back to some disco, disco funk. So it was a crossover. It was kind of a black soul music, but it had a four on the floor, some of them. And yep. you could hustle a little bit to it. And little by little, we got just in influenced by, by all this stuff. And, you know, we started amassing our collection and then going to more clubs and more clubs. And then we started seeing artists at clubs and, and just kind of meeting DJs. DJs weren't that accessible back then. You couldn't go up. They were all behind the DJ booth that was enclosed. Yeah. And very few guys came out to speak to you. It was very difficult. So you grew up, uh, what, Florida, Miami, right? Was it Miami? Right. You, okay. So that um, heavily Latino influenced, primarily Cuban. Is that right? It's Yeah. It was primarily Cuban. I mean, that's what you are. But, but, but the disco clubs were... Mm, now, I'm not going to say controlled, but they were the dancers and the hardcore disco people uh, were Italian. Later on, I would find that there's a difference between Miami disco and New York disco. Okay, so that's what I was going to ask. The Navy kind of took you around the world and you saw all these other influences, right? Yeah, and so California was very black, black oriented, a lot of funk, funk thing, um, a lot of loose dancing. In Miami, you had to touch disco hustle. Everywhere you went, you just couldn't, or you get laughed at or whatever, you know, back in the day. But, um, 
as California and all these places up in uh, Pensacola, where I was at, uh, Maryland, all these places were mainly more funky. So there was a, it was more of a radio uh, influence, like, um, you know, the Casey and Sunshine Band, uh, all that kind of stuff, which was okay here and we liked it, but you wouldn't hear it at a club. You wouldn't hear Casey and Sunshine Band at a club. But you would on the, that was the West Coast where you would hear that? Yeah, West Coast, but you'd hear it here on okay. the radio, but you wouldn't hear it right. at a club. Okay. Um, Bobby Caldwell had an early song back in 19, I don't know, 75, 76 called The House is Rocking. Why are you sitting there alone in blue? Everybody wants to dance with you, baby. I saw you stepping out the other night. Sitting here alone in blue, right now. Everybody loved that. So, like I said, there was a lot of things that were picked up by DJs here. When you listen to the New York stuff, it was a little, um, some of it was grittier. A, a lot of, a lot of the South soul influence, the Vince Montana type of influences up there here. It was a lot of strings and, and big orchestra sounding and, and, and a lot of percussion, which goes back to the Latin. Yeah. The salsa percussion. I heard a lot of that in the list you sent us. Yep. Exactly. They had a lot of the, the Latin percussion in there. The clave was very, <laughs> a, lot, right, right. a lot of salsa patterns on the clave. And at the same time, these clubs not only played disco, but they played salsa at the same time. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because it's danced wow. very similarly. Oh, yeah. So what's interesting to me, well, two things. One is that, John, you you didn't drop in village peoples in the Navy when you brought the Navy. <laughs> so that yet. was interesting. <laughs> but seriously, is so if you fast forward to when Yacht Rock Miami gets founded, right? So you and Captain Juan have this vision for a radio station that you want to create. Correct. And you're, info, you're bringing in a lot of these influences that to me sound like they date back to the 70s. Yeah. Some of the music that you bring in, and it's in part yacht rock sure. but it's in part what you're describing it's like this disco vibe smooth i don't know what you want to call it and it just it's a very distinctive feel what you guys do that any other yacht rock station does so are are you is it just because it's in your dna or are you intentionally trying to carve out the what would be the yacht rock miami sound well i, I think that just happened we we studied the teachings of jd risdar and uh we we uh, were aware of the rules. We're aware of the personnel, the, the total connections and all that kind of thing. But then at the same time, there was things that kind of sounded cool. And we said, Hey, check this out and check this out. And uh, I think Juan started to slip a little bit uh, of those songs in there. And it just took on um, that persona, the, the, the sound uh, of Yacht Rock Miami. Plus when we started to go doing some, um, outside gigs where we actually had to entertain people. Um, we would be entertaining large uh, Latin crowds that were familiar with all the, you know, the Kenny Loggins and the Michael McDonald's and that type of thing. But occasionally you had to get them to kind of pop their head up. So we put in a little Malo Suavecito. I don't know if you've heard those guys. Uh, I think uh, the guitar player was Carlos Santana's brother or cousin, uh, George Santana. Um, also the brother, maybe it's the same guy, but, um, we started sprinkling those in and people were like, wow, you know, we get this because it was a little bit difficult to spoon feed. Like I was saying, the Jim Photoglows and the Greg Gridries constantly. Um, so this kind of 
gave the, the Latin spice or the Miami spice to it. You know, this might be a little, this song's probably a little too heavy, maybe. I don't know if you play this on Yacht Rock Miami, but one of the songs you sent, you want to talk about having that uh, uh, like tropical uh, heavy percussion influence. That song, uh, Garden of Love by Don Ray. Don Ray was um, a guy that was very instrumental in all of the big uh, disco productions. He performed uh, or he he did arrangements for Cerrone. He did arrangements for Alec R. Constadinos, which was to me the the god of of disco music, uh, club disco music. Is Alec R. Constadinos? He's he's still alive. I think he lives in Morocco or something. But um, Garden of Love, um, you know, we used to uh, again we used to buy a record back then. And we had to milk that record because the, you know, to us, they were expensive at the time. So we take every track guard. Uh, Don Ray had uh, got to have loving standing in the rain. Those were his big disco hits, but he also had this, this uh, garden of love, which was like a, you know, kind of a bouncy. Yeah. Bossa Nova type of thing. Yeah. And we'd play that at the beginning because you could still disco dance to it, but it was like, Hey, what is that? And a lot of artists, if you really studied their records, when you, when you bought them, they all had that that type of thing. Probably somebody said, "Hey, uh, we need a filler song. Let's uh, let's do something." And uh, you know, so they they came up with these. Uh, Selly B has it. Um, there's uh, like I said, most people have that one song where it's not pure disco. It's kind of a of a mellow sound. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How tuned in are you personally to the whole yacht disco thing? Because there's this, there is this sort of cross section because they're both smooth products, right? They both kind of take you to a place that lowers the blood pressure. In some of the tracks that you sent us aren't probably technically yacht disco. So are you carving out a yacht disco space or is there something just. I don't get the yacht disco thing uh, a lot because uh, you're trying to get. You're trying to put yacht in front of like yacht goth or yacht heavy metal. <laughs> you know, you're trying to yachtize everything you hear, and and I guess you can't. So, so what's wrong if, with that? If it's yacht disco, it's disco. If it's if it if it's a if it's a disco artist that was producing disco at the time, then it's not yacht disco. It's disco. And if it's yacht soul, then it's soul. I I believe. So the the whole thing. I guess if you want to do a program that's called yacht disco. 
it's cool and you have to connect it, which is, you know, some of the songs I sent you, I try to kind of pick those out and say, yeah, this, this would be yacht disco, yacht soul, you know. But I guess I think my point is, is that you're opening my ears in my world up to a, a whole segment of disco that I probably never would have discovered. No. And it's not what I would try to shoehorn in as yacht disco. No, it's something else. It's this brand of smooth, which is what you get on yacht rock Miami. So, right. I, it was, is yeah, that, that intentional? Go ahead, John. Yeah, well, well, that, well, that's we're talking about things like the Bee Gees and some of the things that they've done, where they take a pop song, and yet they're taking they're taking little bits from the disco sound and incorporating it in the production because it became such a huge thing in the seventies. It influenced everything. I mean, even Kiss did an, a, a disco influenced tune, right? The Bee Gees, you know? the Bee Gees, actually were not disco. You you didn't really go to a uh, a true disco discotheque, let's call that. Yeah. And dance to the Bee Gees, um, Night Fever, No Wedding Did Line Dancing at, at nightclubs. Uh, no, wait, I saw a movie and I'm <laughs> reliably informed. Is that not a biopic? This was a, this was a sort of, a, I don't know. I guess it, maybe it was one segment of um, New York disco. Maybe it was representative. Um, but when we saw that movie, we were like, that's not us. <laughs> yeah, that's, not us that's what here. I figured. We we actually could identify more with "Thank God It's Friday" uh-huh. and the disco dancing and the music that was played in that movie than than Saturday Night Fever. But we could identify with the the tribulations of. Um, I, I think they try to make so, uh, social commentary by the, uh, the different races and the Puerto Rican, yeah. the, that type of thing. So, but here it was all. Another West Side Story take. Correct. Right? Here it was, uh, <laughs> uh, like I said, when when we danced with uh, uh, the great dancers, were all Italian. There was no, there was not that that friction that some of these movies portrayed. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the songs you had on the list that I, I you know, I never really associated with disco. Maybe it is like a proto disco, a pre disco thing. Um, tell me why you had uh, Lou Rawls on there. You'll never find. Those first three notes, uh, still, and I, and I play various disco nights around town here in Miami. Still, those three notes still um, elicit screams from the crowds that go. Back then. So, Lou Rawls, you'll never find another love like mine. See you when I get there. Lady Love, all those songs are all things that everyone in Miami that lived in my my time knows the words to. So you'll never about find Lady Love. Yeah, Lady oh, Love. Yeah. Um, I'm a I'm, you so know good. natural man. All, but that natural man is more of a popish type of song. But but you'll never find another love like mine. It's just a um, one of the early songs that people would actually go out and hustle dance to. There's another track, John, that I want to play. That that um, let's do it. Yeah, Alex sent us that reminded me of Herb Alpert's Rise. Oh, yeah, sure did. And uh, so I, real quick, so Herb Alpert's Rise and Magic Man say, would you consider that to be Yacht Disco, Alex? If anything is Yacht Disco, I would say yes, that would be Yacht Disco. Because it definitely wasn't disco. Right. I would Too slow. I would never have played like that to an audience. But what was the song, John? Uh, High Gloss, You'll Never Know. Let's, let's hit hear that. that. 
that definitely has a rise type of groove. I actually looked it up because I had to know who the bass player was. Uh, a guy named Timothy Allen, and so I clicked through on him, and he played with Atlantic Star. He became a big-time producer with Jive Records later on. So he worked with artists like R. Kelly, Britney Spears, Backstreet Boys, uh, Chris Brown. Uh, so yeah, he, he was also with Billy Ocean. He was with the BB and Q band. So uh, yeah, he was pretty... That song was the closing song for many clubs for, for a while. No kidding. Last really? Song, it, was, it was looked uh, by many here as a ballad, not, not really a disco. Hmm. Sort of cool down. I guess, yeah, the cool down because of the, mm-hmm. the, I guess because of the words, you'll never know. Uh, you know, you, I, my love was vintage wine, all that kind of stuff is what the song says. It also says Luther Vandross is in the backup vocals. Well, I, yeah. I Can you believe that? Yeah. Wow, really? So they did have personnel. Yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, um, so we, we disco mid to late seventies. I know you've stuck with it all. I mean, till now, you're continuing to do disco-heavy-oriented uh, things. But it, what caused it, you think, to sort of crash so heavily from the American psyche in the, what, late 70s, early 80s? 70, 79. Um, Just too much? Oversaturation? It, yeah, or? I mean, I, I believe that Saturday Night Fever was the beginning of the demise of disco. Mm-hmm. Because then all Agreed. of a sudden, everyone wanted to be disco. And, and yeah. you know, one of the jokes within all the disco thing is that once Ethel Merman started to do disco, <laughs> that was it. Plus, you know, you had... Uh, um, Wait, can we drop that in? I haven't heard that. There's no business like show business, like no business I know. Everything about it is appealing. Everything that traffic will allow. And so did um, that guy from the the uh, the Boston Pops, Pop Fiedler, did a oh did a, Arthur Fiedler, Arthur Fiedler, the Boston Pops. He did he did a whole disco album. Oh my! And then you had Mickey Mouse disco, and then you had yeah. um, disco Doc Rick Dees, and then it, it started. It's, a lot of the stuff really oh. wasn't disco, like Kung Fu Fighting. Yeah, uh, Carl Douglas. It, it started be, to be called disco. A lot of things were being called disco that it wasn't. And then McDonald's started to do disco uh, commercial theme uh, commercials. Yeah, everyone started, you know, zest. Uh, uh, everyone wanted to get on the disco bandwagon. So it kind of started getting old. And one of my opinions is that a lot of the rock and roll stations that were around were being eclipsed by disco music because everybody had to get on that bandwagon. Mm-hmm. So there was a backlash in the back. Yeah, we had a rock station here where you could get a card, an actual card you carried around laminated called your Dread Card, which stood for Detroit Rockers Engaged in the Abolition of Disco. <laughs> yeah, and you remember all these Disco Sucks t-shirts and yeah, bumper stickers? Yeah. What's that guy's name that had the, the demolition disco at Comiskey yeah, Park? The- yeah, yeah. Disco Demolition. That yeah. Once. yeah. Doll, yeah. That's right. Doll, uh, something Steve Dahl. That was his name. That Disco Demolition Night, uh, where everyone would get in free if they brought in a disco record and then <laughs> to burn. And, and they started a riot. Yeah. So, you know, it, it was just that type of thing uh, that people started to kind of go, go, um, go against it. In, in the nightclubs, it was still going strong. So, who were the great disco producers you sent us you mentioned uh uh Cerrone, i guess is that how you pronounce it would you consider giorgio moroder in there or is that something different giorgio moroder was probably a uh yes of course he did you know he did donna summer he did a lot of stuff he he, he would be a uh sort of a 
a groundbreaking producer because he he incorporated a lot of the uh, electronic sound. If you listen to a lot of his uh, his music, um, he actually did the the, the soundtrack to um, American Gigolo and Scarface. And um, you know, if you listen to a lot of his stuff, it's very uh, electronic. So yes, he he's he's in that that um, that realm. Um, he also did, uh, you know, Donald Summers' "Love to Love You, Baby," and 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 stuff like that. But we have to go. Alec R. Constadinos, um, Cerrone, uh, Don Ray, Boris Midney was a guy that was involved in a lot of stuff. There was a guy that was involved in a lot of stuff called Alphonse Muzon. I think he started uh, the group Change, which is where Luther Vandross started. Yeah, and that uh, that Allen guy, Timothy Allen, played bass for them too. I just didn't know who Change was, so I didn't mention it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, Change, Change was uh, again, Change was the, the the other side of of disco. It came out during the disco time, but it was more of a of a funky. I mean, Prince in 1980 came out with "I Want to Be Your Lover," mm-hmm. which had that uh, that four on the floor, and a lot of places played that as as a disco. No one danced. Rod Stewart when he <laughs> came out with uh, um, "Do You Think I'm Sexy." Yeah. And uh, really that song was that that was classified as disco. Um if you look at the Grateful Dead, they have a song I, oh, I wrote a, a series of articles uh before on is this disco? And um every artist of that time had some kind of an influence. Uh one of the stories about how they wrote uh, another one bites the dust is that uh they walked into a club and he goes, I want to do a song like that. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. You could hear it. Yeah. 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 So uh, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these people were influenced um, uh, with disco. But you said, Alex, after the, like sort of the demolition of disco that there it was still going on in the clubs. I'm curious how long it sort of perpetrated after we know it dying. Was it still alive and well for a period in Miami? It, it never went away. Wow. There, I played and I've been playing clubs since um, the, the late seventies all the way up to today. And there was not one club where if you had a, a programming of uh, both salsa and American music, as we grew up, I, I was, I played at a place here called Alcazaba for 20 years and it was in the Hyatt Regency, one of the most popular happy hours in, in basically the history of Miami. And always it was a mixture of current stuff and then you went into a set of disco, salsa, back to disco. So disco, there's a, a Viola Wills. It has what I call the Miami anthem of disco, which is called um, Going to Get Along Without You Now. Viola Wills was the one that started, I think, Sugar Hill Records. Mm. And um, she's the one that I think that was responsible for Rapper's Delight. They were her family or, or something. Oh, like that. really? Wow. But but that song is probably the most popular song here in Miami. Who who what would be some modern songs or modern artists that would fit into a playlist? If you were playing a club and you're like, I want to play something post 2000 or even from today, what would you throw in? You wouldn't be getting Pure disco, unless you went into the disco house genre, and those guys are producing slick, well-produced, excellent vocal type of stuff, and there's really no artists really that stand out there. I mean, look at, uh, there's a jazz band called Incognito. Incognito is is a band that is a, a 
very accomplished musicians and all their stuff has that they have a song called always there Um, they're a jazz band, but um, modern stuff like that. Jamiroquai did a version of um, Bad Girls. Ooh, pulls really? away. Huh. Yeah. Pulls virtual Insanity, would that go over well? Virtual, yeah, virtual Insanity, like I said, was basically just a, kind of a, 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 a groove, a bridge between modern music and and the disco music. Yeah, yeah um, agreed. But Bruno Mars, of course, you know, he, he did that, that, that whole um album with um and he's got uh the other uh single called skate in a room full of dimes you would be a hundred dollars and being fine was a crime girl they lock your little fine ass up in the tower the way you move like you do oh it's like you do it for a living a lot of the stuff he was doing was very disco flavored um who else um you mentioned Mayor Hawthorne. I gotta, you know, yeah. represent the D over here because he's here's nearby in Ann Arbor. But uh, what's the Mayor Hawthorne tune that you love? It's called Ginger Ale and Gin and Ginger Ale, something like that. It's nice. it's a great song. We played. It sort of has a the, the background of uh, um, "Gotta Give It Up" from Marvin Gaye. Oh, oh, very yeah. nice. Oh, so you can yeah. get sued by the gay estate again. Like they sue everybody. <laughs> so I don't want to use up every song. We still got a lightning round. We got buried treasures and stuff we need to get oh, to, Tom. Come well, on now. Alex, will you stick around and uh, join us in the lightning round? Of course. All right. Well, I I do have something that I, I'm going to uh, cede most of my time to the senator from uh, Florida. Yes, will I. <laughs> okay. But I did find something interesting at sea that okay, we, if too. I could kick it off. So right. found at sea. So... Um, this may fall into this nebulous uh, yacht disco genre that shan't exist, but like, you know, the song, I just want to be your everything right by yeah, Andy, Andy Gibb, Gibb, right? Andy Gibb. Right. Did you know that the uh, guitar, I'm sure you both knew that the guitar on that was played by Joe Walsh. Uh, I did not know. If that. I did, I, did, I think I knew that at one time. Uh, okay, yeah. well, I got one even I better forgot. than that. Though, okay, because I'm kind of. Uh, I thought you guys would have known that one. That was the gimme. So I'm doing a little uh, zooming around the yacht disco sphere and uh, the <laughs> a Andy, Yeah, I guess so. Mm-hmm. Andy Gibbs Shadow Dancing album. So I'm checking out the personnel on that, and I find for one, Don Felder oh. is on that record, and then. This tune, here's my found at sea. It's a song called Why, and it features on guitar none other than Jack Bartley from Firefall. What? The what? Oh. Hit it. All right. <laughs> Wow. So crazy. I, I found that at sea I had to share with the class. All right. Wow. John, uh, what have you found at sea? I have a found at sea. I'm gonna uh I'm gonna take my chances here because it is has to do with Saturday night fever. So please don't leave the podcast yet, Doctor <laughs> uh Senator. Uh, I mean, he's got so many titles, <laughs> DJ, Captain. All right. Uh from the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack, there's a few uh instrumentals on there. Um and Manhattan Skyline is one of those instrumentals, and it's by David Shire, who is a big-time Hollywood composer. So he was much more of a film score guy that made a couple of disco arrangements for this album. And one of them is Manhattan Skyline. (laughs) 
I had to look at the personnel. It's an instrumental, so I'm saying, well, who's playing these parts, right? Jack Bartley. No, no. <laughs> the guitar lead is Lee Rittenauer. Whoa! Abe Laboreal is the bass player. Nice. Michael Boddicker is giving us the synths and James Gadsden on drums. So, so that it is, is a disco. Yacht Disco song. <laughs> That's it. That's the connection right there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So it does exist. I digress. Yeah. All right. Let's bring in the Senator, Dr. Captain from Miami, Florida. We have the buried treasure and we have off the map. Which would you like to lay on us first? Buried treasure is typically the protocol. Yeah. Let me go buried treasure on that. For 100, okay. Alex. Yes. For 100. Buried treasure. Um Gene Carn, was that all it was? How would it be a wonder if we ever meet again? Now that I feel this is how it's gonna end. Will we ever be just friends? Intimately now and then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you set that to us. That was on the list. That's got the heavy laser drums, pew 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 pew, exactly. all throughout. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The sin air. What what should we know about that? Yeah, I've never heard of it. It's just a a lot of DJs used to use it as an opening type of thing because once you get into the late night, you're going at 130 beats per minute here in Miami, anyway. Wow. Up in New York, you you maintain yourself at 118, 120 the whole night because. That's the sound they go for. So do you take yeah. the slower songs that you like and speed them up? Or is it, are you strictly picking songs that are already at that tempo? No, you're picking songs that are at okay. that tempo. I mean, you can gotcha. take a 126 and put it up to 130, but yeah, but that's about take far. a 118 and, and right. put it up to 130. But but this song is, is a beautiful song. And her voice is just, um, uh, it's incredible. And she has a lot of stuff that um, is just beautiful. And you play it here and there's not one time I don't, I always start, early evening with that that somebody comes up and says what is that i would and, and it's just a very nice song there's there's a couple of remixes out there that have taken the stems and and isolated the violins and it's just goosebump material nice very right. well done real quick i should uh, i'm going to link to a playlist on spotify that has a lot of the songs that we're referencing today and some others that may or may not be out disco so that's in the show notes so check that out if this is your jam all right, which brings us to Off the Map. So this is a song uh, or artist or something that does not quite fit. Yacht Rock. Whatever you want to do. Yeah, Might not be Yacht Disco. Might not even be Disco, but it's it's pretty free, pretty much free for all. What do you got, Alex? Edwin Starr. Ooh, okay. okay. Edwin Starr, you know, we all know him from war. What is it good for? Yeah, we know it's true. It's, it's not good for much. You know? In the 70s. Absolutely nothing, actually. I guess, I guess he had to pay the Say rent. Say it again. Sorry. Go ahead. Is that? I said, say it again. I was <laughs> completing the bit. We're Sorry. doing the song in the back. <laughs> in the 70s, uh, you know, he started doing some stuff and uh, he has a song called Contact. And then she raised her hand, her eyes caught mine, and that was all that I needed. In her eyes, I saw the need to love the world. Very, very famous down here. I was looking at you, you were looking at me. Contact, and it's all. Heavy, heavy, heavy percussion, and in a, a, a pulsating bass line. It's so. Can we can we hear that on Yacht Rock Miami? Is that in the playlist? No, no <laughs> too, it's too, uh, too hard hitting. It's too <laughs> far off for Yacht Rock Miami, and and Juan would never have it. Mm. Well, we could. I bet we could sneak oh. it in. Well, he goes yeah. on vacation every once in a while. We'll yeah, yeah. Well, what's new at Yacht Rock Miami? Before we let you go, we really appreciate you being on. Anything we should keep our ears and eyes out for? 
constantly looking for new stuff. Uh, Juan is always working to play uh, the stuff whenever we see um, people that we know. We have Yacht Rock Nation there. Yep. Um, if you've been on that site on Facebook, Yacht oh, Rock yeah. Nation, I mean, these guys know what they're talking about. And whenever we have, um, I think we were playing Bruce Blackman, page 99. Mm-hmm. We always, you know, try to get stuff that people have never heard. Plus whatever. Now they're, they're coming back with the series where they're, uh, you know, Yachts King certifying more, yeah, certifying more stuff. So we get to put more stuff, but we always, you know. Get that little flavor going in there so that people... Do you work in a uh, Christmas program at all this time of year or at least like, you know, post-Thanksgiving? Maybe. I did a Christmas program uh, a couple of years ago, but there's not a lot of Christmas yacht out there. Not really. basically the same stuff. I mean, the the time I did the program, I I basically found everything. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we will be airing our Christmas special on Yacht Rock Miami sometime in December. So it's a rerun, but that's what happens at Christmas time, right? You bring out all the old reruns. Cool. We look forward to that. All right. Well, thank you, Alex, for being here. This was fun. Um, Disco, I used to think I hated disco, and I got to credit you for kind of turning me around on it. Go to my Mixcloud and listen to all the disco stuff. And on YouTube, there's a there's a YouTube guy. I call it the Ultimate Disco Mixes. I have six of them on there with all the best stuff. Listen to number one. That has me talking on there. All right. What's your Mixcloud handle and what's your YouTube? Uh- DJ Alex Gutierrez. Okay. And on uh, on YouTube, just go and search the Ultimate Disco Mix one through eight. Okay. All right, last question for me, Alex. If you were the captain of a ship and you were on the front of the bow yeah. and you've been at sea far too long, but way in the distance you see land, what would you say? Land? Ho? <laughs> <laughs> Close enough. Ahoy, Paloy. Ahoy, Paloy. There you go. <laughs>